grab a Bible now, if you're able to do so, and open it up at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. But uh, Judith is going to come and read that for us. So thank you for that, Judith. Starting at verse 1, Paul, Silas and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who he rescues us, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Let's come before our Lord in a word of prayer now and then uh, work through this passage in 1 Thessalonians. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this time now that we share to think about your word. Please help us to understand it, uh, to be encouraged by it and to put it into action. Thank you for this time now and we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when are you glad? There are some things in life to be glad about, aren't there? I'm a, a pretty simple guy, and so I'm often glad about some pretty simple things. I'm really glad, actually, when it rains and really buckets down outside that my house doesn't leak, the one I currently live in. I'm really glad that I'm, I'm high and dry and that I don't get wet when it rains. I'm really glad about that fact. I'm also really glad about when we have chicken for dinner. I don't quite know how it works, but I think there might be some chemicals that run around in my brain and it just makes me feel good when I eat chicken. And so when I see chickens on the menu, I'm really glad. But I'm also glad when I don't let other people down. Like when I've been told to go and pick somebody up from the airport and I actually get there on time. I think. I give myself a pat on the back, I say, well done Peter, 10 out of 10, you got there on time. And I'm really glad when I haven't let people down in those situations. I'm a simple guy and there's some things I'm really glad about and they're simple things. But there are other things that aren't so trivial that we can be glad about. These things are, are deeper and they're more important. And we see some things in this letter that the Apostle Paul and his other missionary friends, Silas and Timothy, things that they're really glad about. Because 
what we see is that they're, they're not only glad, they are grateful to God. They are very grateful to God for this little church at Thessalonica. They're grateful to see how well this particular church is doing. But they weren't always glad like this. There's a period of time when they were actually feeling a bit anxious about how that church was going. And so they were concerned about it. For we know from Acts chapter 17 that the missionaries, Paul, Silas and Timothy, had spent a bit of time in Thessalonica, which is about 200 miles north of Athens in Macedonia. And after they had planted the church there, sharing the good news about Jesus, they had to leave town fairly early to save their lives. People brought a charge to the magistrates to them, saying that they're all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another, another king, one called Jesus. And we get the impression that Paul and his friends felt like they'd let this new little church down as they had to leave so soon. And they weren't glad about that. They weren't happy about that fact. And in fact, we, we read about their concern in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. Paul says, But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing... We made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly, I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. Paul, Silas and Timothy shared not only the gospel in Macedonia with the Thessalonians, it's hard to say that, but they shared their very lives with them. And so they, they were so concerned that they, they got worried about them. They were concerned that since they'd been driven out of town, now the church would be facing the music, so to speak, even after the missionaries had moved on. But Timothy was able to get back and see how the church was going. And before uh, Paul, Silas and Timothy had penned this letter, uh, they'd received some message back from Timothy. And so we sort of kind of invited into the action at this point uh, in 3 verse 6 Paul writes but Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and your love this would be where the, the good the good news music sort of kind of checks in things are you know starting to get a bit upbeat here this is good stuff so there was Paul Silas and Timothy they're anxious for how the church is coping now that they've moved on and in the days before email and WhatsApp, Instagram and Snapchat, Timothy gives them a good report about how they're going. And he gives them a, a good report about their genuine faith in Jesus. And we see something of their glad reaction, don't we? When we look at chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, if you kindly turn to chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, I'll read that section to us now. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers we remember before our god and father your work produced by faith your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our lord jesus christ 
Well, the missionaries, Paul, Silas and Timothy, are now delighted. They're very glad. And they tell the church that they're grateful to God for them. And as they do so, they're, they're also teaching the church. Well, they're also letting the church know how they think they're doing as a group. They're, they're giving a little bit of a, an assessment on how they think the church is coming along. But it sounds pretty good too, doesn't it? We get told that their, their work is produced by faith. Labour's prompted by love and their endurance is inspired by their hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we're familiar with these, this triad, aren't we? Faith, hope and love. But here the, the order's a little bit different. We've got the same ingredients, but we have faith, love and hope. At this point, uh, the emphasis is really a focus on the fruit of these things too, isn't it? It's work produced by faith. Labour is prompted by the love and the endurance gets inspired by the hope. And what we see of this church is that they have a living and active faith. This is no armchair faith for these people. Uh, faith in God was accompanied by their work, their deeds. It wasn't a nominal faith, like the kind of faith that some people say they have because they tick the box on the census and say, well, I'm an Australian, I'm a Christian. That would be described as a, as a nominal faith because the word nominal means in name only. These people weren't like that. They're not Christians in name only. If uh, they were living today, we'd maybe describe them as full-on Christians. They've, they've got a, a genuine faith. Perhaps the work that's being referred to here is the work of sharing the gospel. It's not done in order to get salvation, but now that they're saved, that work's accompanying their salvation they enjoy. We know that they're sharing the good news because in verse 8 we're, we're told that the Lord's message rang out from them. Likewise, their love is apparent later in this letter in uh, chapter 4 verse 9. Paul says, now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you. In verse 10 he says, and in fact you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. And finally, as uh, they continue and endure in the Christian life, inspired by hope, we can see that the, the hope in the Lord Jesus' return is a, is a big part of what's driving them in their hope. Later in this letter, we see that they're, they're concerned about people who might have died before the Lord returns. But Paul notes that their hope in the Lord Jesus is in the right place. And so Paul, Silas and Timothy... Rejoice in the Lord because this church, even though they haven't had much of the gospel for a long period of time, not a long time that they've been encouraged by the missionaries, the, the seed of the gospel has taken root in their lives and they've shown a genuine faith that's continued, even despite some of the, the hardship in which they received the gospel. Well, could something similar be said about us and our church? Could we be said to be a church that displays a genuine faith in Jesus as Lord and Saviour? If people were coming to visit us, like Timothy visited them, if people were coming from overseas, in this COVID time now, it might be that they're coming from overseas from Tasmania, maybe New Zealand. 
I wonder what kind of a report that they would give to us. Well, the good news is it's, it's actually not a competition. Uh, God knows that we need his grace just as the Thessalonians needed it. And he's given us the free gift of salvation that comes through Jesus as Lord and Saviour as well. And yet now that we've come to know God, that we are members of his family, we are his church, uh, there's a way that he calls us us to live up to uh, the family name. And so the Thessalonians are are doing pretty well on this score. If we have a look at verse 7, Paul says that, so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Uh, They're model Christians. They were renowned for their lives where their work was produced by faith. Their labour grew out of their love. And their endurance came from the hope that they continued to have in Jesus. They seem to show a, a fruitfulness in their lives. And I guess if they're a model church, uh, we can learn something from them too, can't we? We can think about whether there's room in our lives to actually grow stronger in our faith, uh, deeper in our love for the Lord and each other, and, and persevere powerfully with our faith in Jesus Christ for the long term. They were a model. Maybe we can learn something about Christian maturity from them too. Well, their changed lives, which Paul and the other missionaries are grateful to see and glad about, grew out of God's work. And that's something that Paul gives some information to us about now in verses 4 and 6. We get some information there. He says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. In this section, Paul comments on the change that's gone on in their lives And it's become apparent to Paul to think of them as people who are God's chosen people. And he treats them as God's elect and chosen people also because he's seeing evidence in their lives. Evidence that God has made a difference to them. And Paul accounts for that difference, that change in their life to God's work. For the gospel came to them not simply with some words, It comes with power, the Holy Spirit, and it's delivered by the missionaries with deep conviction. And so what we see is that the origins of their salvation is traced back to God's work in their life. Salvation is by God's grace from first to last. And the gospel comes to them graciously because God raises up some missionaries to take that good news message out. Paul notes that it doesn't come simply with words, which might be contrasting to some of the the teachers of the time who spoke perhaps with eloquent words, where they were like the ancient equivalent of the shock jock, who was dazzling them with brilliance or baffling them otherwise. Paul's not interested in just eloquence. He's interested in the essence of the message that comes from God with the Holy Spirit, the message and the news about Jesus and what he's done to save. And so as they delivered this message, they delivered it with some seriousness. 
it's described as deep conviction. And as these Thessalonians received it, they receive it with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so this is a scene in which we see that the change that's happened in their lives grows out of a spiritual transformation. There's a spiritual battle and it's the Holy Spirit that makes the difference in their lives to receive this message. They've heard the good news, the glad tidings that Jesus died and rose for their sins and it's resonated with them. They've understood it. They've looked at their darkness in their lives and their need for a saviour and they've exercised faith in Jesus. And so the glory goes to God for this transformation that's taken place in their lives. And the glory goes to God for the change that's happened in our lives too, doesn't it? As we think back uh, on our lives and where we stand, we know that God's moved in so many different ways to bring us to the point where we can even sit here today and think about his word applied to our lives. If you've grown up in a Christian family, it's because of the grace of God in giving you Christian parents. If you're not yet a Christian and you're here listening to this message, it's because of the grace of God to bring you to this point. The Thessalonians welcomed the message of the Lordship of Jesus with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And this accords well with what Paul teaches elsewhere in the New Testament about the Spirit uh, making the difference to help people to understand the good news and to receive it. And since God is the one who changes lives, our responsibility is to be the people who share the gospel and to pray that God would change lives. We can't really force the issue uh, for people to become Christians, can we? For people welcome the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit working in them. Uh, we can't produce life in the next person. Uh, we have to be patient and wait on God to change people's hearts, to open blind eyes in the same way that he opened our eyes as well. In fact, this kind of scenario where we're, we're waiting on God to change hearts, waiting on God to uh, open blind eyes, reminds me of a a little bit of a, a Phil Collins song called You Can't Hurry Love. And it goes a little something like this. My mama said, you can't hurry love. No, you'll just have to wait. She said, love, don't come easy. It's a game of give and take. You can't hurry love. No, you'll just have to wait. Just trust in the good time, no matter how long it takes. Well, I bet you're wondering where I'm going with this one. At least I've got your attention. Uh, I suppose we can't hurry people into God's kingdom, can we? We just have to be patient and wait on God. We can chuck the seed, share the gospel, and we can pray for people. That's our responsibility. But we just have to be patient and trust in the goodness of God to change lives and also to have a, a longer-term view about when that might happen. Above all, we need to remember that salvation comes through God's grace alone. Salvation is his gift from first to last. And so the glory goes to God for his work uh, in our lives and we can continue to wait on him and be patient as he changes other lives as well. Well, the new lives that the Thessalonians lived 
were obvious to all. We start to see this in verses 7 to 10 of chapter 1. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report the kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. The Christians in Macedonia and Achaia were in touch with Paul, Silas and Timothy and they they filled the missionaries in on how the church was progressing at Thessalonica. And they may have said something like, yes, they're doing really well. They've not only received the gospel message despite the hostility that surrounded it being given out, and now they're even sharing their own faith with other people. It appears that many of the Thessalonians too were not even from a Jewish background because they turned from idols to serve the living and true God. Idols were everywhere in that society. Even emperors were worshipped as sons of God. People offered uh, money to idols at shrines. And if children were getting married, uh, large sums of money were also paid to to those who conducted uh, the shrine services and served the idols. People were frightened and so they'd, they'd serve these idols as a way as a type of insurance, if you could say. But things for the Thessalonians changed when they heard the good news about Jesus and they looked to a different kind of future. A future where they wouldn't be facing the wrath of God, but a future where they'd be saved by God's Son. And so they turned. They turned away from their idols to serve the living and the true God and to wait for Jesus who rescues from God's wrath. And this is the language of conversion, isn't it? It would have been a big deal to go against the tide of that culture, to to swim against that tide of idol worship and a culture of people who didn't serve God. They would have stood out in their families, in their workplaces, in their community groups. It would have been very difficult. And we can understand that too, can't we? We can relate to that as we seek to live lives where we serve the living and true God. We can stand out too. And our challenge is in some ways similar to the Thessalonians. Although people serve different idols today, those that are different to the first century, people continue to put other things before God, don't they? They continue to serve themselves. They continue to trust in other things, even good things like health, education, assets. People trust in their friends, people trust in their families. None of those things are necessarily bad in and of themselves, but if they take the place of God, they are misplaced. People trust in other things rather than the one who is the good giver of gifts and life. 
But God's word teaches us that it's actually a fantasy land to dodge God and to worship and serve created things rather than the creator. In fact, that, that approach to life is, is short-sighted. It's short-lived and it ends in hell, uh, facing the wrong side of God's judgment. Instead, we're called to serve another king, a different king, one called Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath of God against our sin. And Paul reminds us of this fact in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 10, where he says, he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, a reference to dying, we may live together with him. Jesus has come so that we don't have to go to hell. He's come so that we can enjoy life with God both now and in the future and enjoy salvation. And so the challenge for people like us is to be a bit like the Thessalonians who were alert and waiting, ready for the return of the Lord Jesus. And we're to be a bit like that too. The Thessalonian church showed a genuine faith in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Their change to a new counter-cultural life involved them turning away from their idols to serve the living and true God and they showed a new life where they were, were working out their faith in action. They had a, a labour of love and they endured with their hope in Jesus. Uh, Paul and his missionary friends were anxious about how that church was going for a while but today we've seen they're, they're very glad And they rejoice in the Lord when they find out that the church is actually doing very well. It's going from strength to strength. They're delighted to see that things are going so well. And that they haven't in fact been let down by the missionaries. Well there are some things to rejoice in in life aren't there? Fried chicken. That's something to rejoice in I think. And barbecue chicken too. Um, all kinds of chicken there's a lot of things to rejoice in life but uh, you know it pains me to say these things are actually trivial aren't they they really are trivial things to rejoice in because there are some other deeper more profound things to rejoice in in this life and rejoicing in our friends and family growing strong as christians that's something to rejoice in and we can rejoice in the fact that people actually see that there's a, a life that's a dead end if it's not lived for God and, and they hear the news about Jesus and what he's done and, and realise that yes, they would like to get right with God and put their trust in him and when they do, that's something to rejoice in as well. Well, even though there's lots of things to rejoice in life, let's be among those who are concerned about the, the really important things to rejoice in uh, and let us come to our Lord in a word of prayer now. Let us pray. And Lord God, we um, do give you thanks for this part of your word this morning which reminds us about a church that heard the good news in the face of a difficult situation and hostility, but that they understood what they had in Christ and they could enjoy a new life with you by trusting in him. Lord, we give you thanks that uh, this church, little church, didn't um, go by the wayside but instead went from strength to to strength and flourished 
And Lord, we pray that you'd strengthen us to be people who grow in Christian maturity also. Please help us to continue to work out our faith. Help us to grow in our love for you and for each other. And help us to be people who persevere to the end of the race and to look forward to salvation. Lord, help us to be concerned in life like the apostles were for, for other people. Help us to be concerned for our Christian brothers and sisters that they grow strong in you. And help us to be concerned for people who are yet to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Help us to be concerned about these important things in life and to be glad about them. And we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.